When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome into another live edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I am Mike Cadlick from CLNS, joined, as always, by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, Alex, happy deadline to you and your happy deadline day to you and yours. Happy um, deadline. Happy, de- happy NFL trade deadline to uh, to all those who celebrate. Um, it was a jam-packed NFL trade deadline today. Ten trades uh, on deadline day, the most in NFL history, I'm pretty sure. Um, so me and Alex are going to break a bunch of those down today, a bunch of those trades that happened, um, take a look at how they might affect the Patriots. Um, we're also going to touch a little bit on Patriots-Jets. We mostly broke that down on Sunday here on Patriots Press Pass after the game, but... Uh, now that we have decompressed for two days, took a look at a little bit of the film and sort of where this team stands, um, we'll get into that and break that down a little bit further. Uh, and then we'll finally wrap this thing up with two of our favorite segments here on Patriots Beat, the Boston Sports Minute, talking about the Brooklyn Nets firing Steve Nash and potentially hiring Ime Udoka. And the College Football Playoff Committee unveiled their first top 25 of the season. So we'll take a look at that as well in a college football minute. But first... The Patriots did not make any deadline moves today, but they did make several transactions. They made four uh, practice squad moves. They signed Hayden Howerton, inside uh, interior offensive lineman. They also signed a punter, Michael Pilardi. Uh, Pilardi, yep. Yeah, he's he's yep. been around. I think he's on the older yep. end. Uh, and then they released Rondell Carter, and they released Tristan Vizcaino once again. So uh, any initial thoughts on that? The one thing that stands out is to me anyway, is bolstering the entire interior offensive line after a brutal game on uh, Sunday and then bringing in uh, Pilardi to potentially have out Jake Bailey, who improved on, on Sunday for, for what it's worth, but who's kind of struggled this season. Yeah, kind of same thoughts. They needed another lineman. They had another lineman, and they kind of followed through on the reports from last week that they were going to add a punter, even though Jake Bailey uh, looked good on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's our Patriots transactions. We got to break them all down. But uh, the NFL trade deadline uh, today was pretty insane. Um, the probably the number one story, um, which could affect the Patriots in multiple ways, is uh, Bradley Chubb. I think that was the big one uh, from Denver was traded from the Dolphins or to the Dolphins, excuse me, uh, for Chase Edmonds, uh, a 2023 first round pick that they had gotten back in the Trey Lance deal. Um, a 24 fourth round pick as well. Um, and then Chubb was sent with a 25 pick. So they traded Edmonds and then they also traded back for Jeff Wilson from the San Francisco 49ers. So two big moves from the Dolphins today. Um, Bradley Chubb will seemingly be paired up with Jalen Phillips. Uh, they'll try and get after the quarterback there in Miami, which could definitely impact the, the Patriots as well moving forward. 
Yeah, and I mean, it kind of shows you this trend that when teams get to year three of a quarter, like the third year of a quarterback's rookie deal, if they really believe in the guy, that's when they push all the chips in. I know yep. some people wanted the Patriots to do that today. I noticed that's a lot of the same people complaining about the team not really having a quarterback. Those two things kind of don't go hand in hand. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't go throwing assets away because you need to add a quarterback. So pick one argument. Either Mac Jones is good enough, and the Patriots should have invested to add around him, or they don't have a quarterback. I think he's good enough eventually, but this year is kind of a mess. And I'm I'm fine with the Patriots standing pat because they're not in a spot like the Miami Dolphins are. You know, they haven't had it at made that Tyreek Hill type addition yet. Hopefully that right. comes soon. That's kind of the next step for a young quarterback. I talked about last night with Joe Burrow and what he looked like without Jamar Chase, but yeah, for Miami, man, they're really going all in. And I think it's interesting if you look at – they had that third overall pick. They traded mm -hmm. it to San Francisco for three first-round picks. And they've now turned those into Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. I mean, that's just excellent. That's that's yeah, a fantastic job. Outstanding by the asset management from Chris Greer up there or down there. Yeah, so, so you know, I don't think that a top three pick is going to fall into the Patriots' lap as much as some people hate this <laughs> roster right now. Um, but that's kind of, you know, the blueprint of how you want to build it. And they clearly believe in Tua. So, yes, Miami got a lot better, and they're going to extend Chubb and, and, and Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. That's going to be a great, you know, edge combo here for the next couple of years in Miami that the Patriots and other teams are going to have to deal with. The other thing it tells me is Tua's here to stay in Miami. Yeah. Like, Tua's not going anywhere. You don't make that move if you don't believe in your quarterback because – that first round pick, that's a valuable asset. If you don't believe in Tua, this is a strong quarterback class. Hendrick, you know, would they get one of the top two guys? No, but Hendron Hooker of Tennessee, um, uh, Will Levis of Kentucky, KJ Jefferson of Arkansas, uh, uh, Jaron Hall out of BYU, right? They're guys who are available with that potential pick. And they're saying, no, we're sticking with Tua. We're building around Tua. So I thought today, among other things, was a very, very strong show of support for the, from the Miami Dolphins towards Tua Tagovailoa. Absolutely, and it's like, yeah, I mean, they're clearly going to, like you said, they're going to go forward with Tua, and they've been really good with Tua when he's healthy this year. I think they're 5-0 yeah. when he starts games. It's like he's really managing what they've what they've put around him well. Obviously, I mean, it's tough he's to – He's got a lot not, around him. I was going to say it's tough to not play well with guys like Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and an outstanding play caller like Mike McDaniel, uh, but they're going to help him further as well because they got rid of Chase Edmonds and they brought in Jeff Wilson who – is yet another one of those uh, San Francisco to Miami pipeline guys that McDaniels has done with, uh, or McDaniel, excuse me. He did it with Raheem Mosert, and he's done it with Jeff Wilson too. So it's uh, that's the type of running back they like there, a speed guy who can uh, who they can utilize all over the place, and uh, they ended up with McCaffrey out there in San Fran, so Jeff Wilson seemed to be expendable yeah. to, to the Dolphins. Um, another in AFC East move was, uh, it came right at the deadline, was Naheem Hines uh, was traded to the Bills. For Zach Moss and a conditional fifth, uh, Naheem Hines is sort of a an all-purpose scat back uh, in Indy. Who a team that benched Matt Ryan, brought in Sam Ellinger to start. Uh, the Colts are sort of, I don't want to say they're kind of in no man's land, frankly, because they have a they have a pretty solid amount of uh, talent on that team. But a guy who a guy in uh, Chris Ballard, who has brought in a lot of quarterbacks over the last several years and can't really get it done. They they seemed like a team that wanted to sell off a guy like Naheem Hines and a lot of teams were calling. Ends up being the Bills, who were involved with in guys uh, in talks for Alvin Kamara. 
Um, yeah. That didn't end up getting done, but they bring in a scat back and a guy who can sort of help continue to bolster that Bills offense. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really good deal for the Bills. They didn't give up a ton. You know, Zach Moss isn't necessarily going to play when you bring Naeem Hines in. I don't really get why the Colts made that trade, to yeah, be honest. I, I don't think the Colts have had a good couple of weeks here. They're really hitting the reset button on their entire offense and couldn't be better timing for the Patriots. But, yeah, I thought that was a good trade for the Bills. Yeah. Um, moving on, I'm just taking a look at this list here with – um, sort of what what deals can impact the Patriots, right? Uh, we saw it last well, week. With go ahead. No, I'll just say one that didn't impact the Patriots directly, but I thought it was interesting was the Calvin Ridley deal because yeah, he's a guy that we heard the Patriots were on were in on prior to his suspension, mm-hmm. and they like I said before, right? Getting Mac that guy and Ridley's a bit of an unknown. And look, I'm not necessarily mad the Patriots didn't chase an unknown. That's kind of why they're in the spot they're in. They did that for years, right? right? chasing guy instead of paying that premium paying a little bit less for guys with question marks and not working out so josh gordon antonio brown uh, just right. to kind of name a few Rid- right ridley I, I would even say muhammad sanu to an extent um sure. ridley certainly fits that category but you know if you told me back i don't remember when he got suspended at some point over the summer but if you told yep. me before he got suspended you could get him for a second and a fifth yeah yeah that's a no-brainer deal so I'm just wondering if the Patriots were in on that or not. We're, we're in on trading for him or not. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, it's a, a bit of an unknown. The terms of the deal are kind of crazy. It's a it's a fourth-round pick. It stays a fourth-round pick if Ridley's on their roster. Uh, it goes to a third-round pick if he reaches certain incentives, and it can become up to a second-round pick if the Jaguars end up keeping him around and sign him to an extension. So a guy who's mega-talented, um, sat out some of last year with uh, some mental health issues, Um and then was suspended for the full season. So a guy with some question marks surrounding whether he'll actually end up playing football or not, but if it works out well for the Jaguars, that's an amazing piece to surround Trevor Lawrence with on a team that already paid for a guy like Christian Kirk, who has been okay for them, um, and Travis Etienne as well. So they have a, they're they're really putting the pieces around their second-year guy. So, again, another thing we're waiting to see what the Patriots will do. Um, and it, another one that I think is – will will affect the Patriots for sure is the TJ Hawkinson trade. Um, Irv Smith, one of the Vikings uh, tight ends, went on IR today with a high ankle sprain, um, missing a lot more time than Mac Jones with his high ankle sprain. It's up to like a eight to 10 week recovery recovery for him. Uh, so an inter division trade for them as the Lions sent TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings uh, tight end for um a fourth, a second and a third, excuse me. It was a couple trade swaps in there, but uh, the Patriots are going to see TJ Hawkinson for a second time this season um, when they play the Vikings on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, they've struggled against tight ends, as we've seen, when their safeties aren't healthy. healthy. Um, so that could be interesting again on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, it, and look, they, they handled him last time, right? One catch for six yards. It goes yeah. back to kind of a bigger point. We'll talk about this when you get to the Jets. They need Kyle Duggar for that game because guess who covered TJ Hawkins and Kyle Duggar. Yep. And it looks completely different when Kyle Duggar's not out there on the field. But yeah, I, I don't get why the Lions made that trade. That's a great deal for the Vikings. I mean, essentially yeah. getting TJ Hawkinson for a pick swap and spreading it over two years. Great job by Minnesota. And boy, did they need another option. Adam Thielen yeah. looked a little bit washed this year. Now he's hurt. They had a, it, it, and you know what? Even the thing with Thielen, like, they needed a big body guy, right? They need, I don't want to say they need right. a red zone guy because Justin Jefferson is obviously so good everywhere, but 
They right. needed that mismatch guy, just like that big physical presence. I honestly thought they were a team that would call him Nikhil Harry. Now, Nikhil Harry's not TJ Hawkinson, right. but I thought they may try to go the cheap route to fill that because, hey, we have Justin Jefferson, we have Adam Thielen. How much do we need to really invest in this? But, you know, Thielen goes down, suddenly it becomes a bigger issue. Boom. Great deal. And, and again, with Detroit in the division, just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, it's strange. But it, again, like you said, huge for the Vikings because Justin Jefferson is that guy. He's probably the top three receiver in the NFL, certainly. And they needed another. They needed someone to kind of take take some pressure off Jefferson, take a right. defender off, take a safety. Now you have to worry about him. So like that'll open up Jefferson too. So a great deal for the Vikings, who are six and one, a very sneaky six and one. I feel like I haven't t- talked or really uh, watched too much Minnesota Vikings football this year, but. Uh, yeah, they're they're playing solid football and they got much better. Um, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events: bet NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Let's just talk about the Bears for a second because the Bears did some interesting things at the deadline. Uh, last week, they traded Robert Quinn to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick, and then yesterday, they traded Roquan Smith to the Ravens for a second and a fifth. Looked like they were completely selling off. Um, which, I mean, they still are in theory, but then they also traded for Chase Claypool and they traded a second round pick to the Steelers for Claypool. So surrounding Justin Fields with another weapon while also selling off two of their best defenders, an interesting strategy, but I like the Claypool move because the Bears are so depleted at receiver. Um, did Nikhil Harry score a touchdown last week? Is that correct? He did, yeah. He did. Yeah. So like, But again, it's you can't rely on Nikhil Harry to be your touchdown scorer every week. Darnell Mooney's been pretty good, but... I liked that deal. Claypool kind of in no man's land with the addition of Pickens this offseason in uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Deontay Johnson there as well. So, but yeah, the Bears made three moves, which they were probably the second, first or second most active team at the deadline behind like the uh, the Panthers and the Dolphins. So, yeah, I, I thought that was, I, I don't really get why, why Pittsburgh quit on Chase Claypool because me either. Like we talked about before, you're trying to add a guy. For your young quarterback, well, they have a young quarterback. And look, Deontay Johnson's a good receiver, sure. And they might have something in George Pickens. But Claypool's the number one guy there. And I'm maybe not on high as him as some. Look, Bill compared him to, to Rob Gronkowski earlier this year. But yeah. <laughs> that was a weird deal to me. That tells me that that they're not sold on Kenny Pickett, which, again, to compare it to here, I know some people were at, yeah, it's the second year. You're already unsure about the quarterback. Better than being unsure in the first year. Right. Like, so. Yeah, that's, that's weird. You know, I mean, that's, you have three, three, sorry to cut you off. You have three, like, solid young receivers in Johnson, Pickens, and Claypool. Why are you, I mean, I guess they get, they got a second round pick. So, that, I mean, that's a, that's a good, uh, I guess, a value trade for them as well. Because I think, did they take Claypool in the second or third round? So, I, think I mean, it was a second round pick. Yeah. So, but again, it's like you have three solid guys plus a tight end and Pat Fryermuth around your rookie quarterback. I don't know why you're taking that away. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, sorry, did you have more thoughts on Claypool? I kind of cut you off there. No, that's pretty much it. That's pretty yeah. Much it. And then, um, I mean, Roquan Smith to the, to the Ravens. A lot of people feeling like that was a 
deal that the Patriots could have possibly made. Why didn't they send a second round and a fifth round pick to the Bears? Um, he's going to end up. I I don't. I can't remember if he's already expensive or he's going to end up being expensive. But he's going to end that's up a guy who we needs a new deal. Yeah. Well, he's both. He's it's both. He's on his fifth year option, which is right. Okay. Like they would have had to clear money. They, yeah. The Patriots would have had to clear quite a bit of money to make that deal, and they just weren't in position. If they were to clear that kind of money, that second round pick becomes way more valuable. And right. suddenly it's not worth making that deal. So I think this is what people need to understand. And, and this isn't a, a Patriots fan thing. This isn't a football fan thing. I see this all the time at every deadline. Fans want to trade players away for the sake of trading them away. And they want to trade for players for the sake of trading for players, right? Why didn't we get anybody? Why? All right. You want, you know, what I always say to that is fine. Here's Isaiah Ford for conditional seven, right? right? Two years ago, didn't play a single game was released before the end of the season. Like sometimes the deal's not there and people are going to call me a homer and say, I'm defending bill. You never make a trade for the sake of making a trade. You never do that. That's what stupid teams do. Right. You, that's what the Claypool deal felt like to me for Pittsburgh. It felt like them being, Hey, we're in a rare spot where we're probably not a playoff team. Let's gain assets when we can. And that line of thinking led them to trading a player. They shouldn't have traded. So you never make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. We don't know what the Patriots ultimately decided not to do. Like, you know, do they get offered like a first for Kendrick Bourne and say, no, that would be stupid to say no to. There's purpose behind that. I don't think they got offered that. I really don't. I think they would have taken that if they did. But the point being, you never make a trade just to make a trade. And it felt like a lot of the talk around the Patriots was one way or the other making a trade for the sake of making a trade. The one exception, uh, I am surprised they did not deal as a win. And that's not a because I think they're sellers. It's because I think it would have been addition by subtraction. I think he doesn't right. want to be here. Uh, I think he's checked out. They don't. He keeps getting benched. Like he's the guy. I I I'm pretty surprised still here. I my bold prediction coming into the day was, or my prediction, not even that bold. Right. My prediction coming into the day was they're going to trade away Isaiah Wynn and then trade for another lineman. That's what I thought was going to happen. Obviously, it didn't, but. He's if, if you want to complain about the Patriots inactivity today, that's really the one spot where I'm like, yeah, they probably should have worked a little harder to figure something out is moving for on from Isaiah Wynn because I just he doesn't have a purpose here right now and he's in a contract year. Right. Yeah. I mean, before I, I was going to give one last trade deadline thing here with yeah. just another team. But before we do that, let's 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 go right into the Patriots and what they didn't do with the yeah. trade deadline, because there was a bunch of guys that. We're in trade rumors uh, here over the last two weeks heading into today's deadline. That was Isaiah Wynn, obviously, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Damian Harris, uh, and then some Trent Brown activity today on Twitter, which nah, uh, kinda, it really. seemed like not he was really. Gonna, it was, yeah. Apparently, uh, for those who don't know, Trent Brown tweeted something along the lines of like uh, next chapter is beginning or something like that. Uh, and everyone thought he was going to get traded. And then he followed it up like 10 minutes later and said, oh, that was bad timing. Like nothing's happening. So, yeah. Uh, it, it kind of sent us us reporters into a frenzy for a, a little while. But Trent Brown's here. Uh, everyone's here. They didn't make any trade deadline moves. Um, Isaiah Wynn, like you said, a guy who seemed like a candidate. And a lot of teams, it seems like teams are calling for him as well. Um, but they yeah. didn't, didn't end up doing it. I don't know if... Um, interesting to, to know and kind of a theory is that when they saw what happened with uh, Cole Strange on Sunday with just getting beat down by the, the two really solid... Uh, Jets yeah. interior lineman, like, okay, we, we need this depth after all. And the fact that Isaiah can potentially spell him on the inside as well, because he played there in college is we, we need the depth right now. Um, 
But again, like you said, addition by subtraction kind of guy, a guy who doesn't seem bought in, a guy who's just going through the motions here, benched and back and forth. And it's like he doesn't really have a spot on on the offensive line. So, um, yeah, he doesn't get dealt. I mean, the, the wide receivers as well, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, two guys who were also in talks. Um, but like we talked about on Sunday, Devontae Parker gets hurt. Um, looks like he'll miss at least a week, maybe two. So continuing to keep that depth in the wide receiver room is kind of seems like something they uh, they sort of cherished here going into the, into the deadline. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad they kept the wide receiver depth. There's just too many unknowns. Parker getting hurt. We still don't know entirely what kind of player Thornton is. Right. I, I'm Aguilar was the one guy I thought maybe they could have dealt, but I when I thought they actually should have. Right. right. I don't think they should have dealt Aguilar. I thought if they were going to deal a wide receiver, he's probably the guy that they do. Right. That they would have moved. Uh, but I, you know, I don't think they're going to get a ton for him. Like, all right, there's no traded, value there. Right. You traded Nelson Aguilar in a seventh for a sixth. Now what? Like, are you really in that much better of a position short or long term than you were before that deal? Like, that's what people need to understand. Get this guy off the roster is not a reason to trade somebody. Right. It's, well, it, for the most part, like it's. For the most part, it's not. Occasionally, it is. Robbie Anderson, like, that's right. an example of we need to get this guy off the roster. But Nelson Aguilar was not remotely close to that. He was not remotely close. Right. And sorry he didn't get to move up 25 spots in the draft. Like, that's all. Like, at the very end of the draft, in the 200s, that's really all that deal would have been. So right. the guy, the guy who, the, who that would have been is Isaiah Wynn. Right. And it didn't happen. Right. Um, and, Aguilar, and again, that's a guy where you look at the kind of just the body language. Yeah. Maybe you move him. He's a guy that maybe right. you make a point of getting off the roster, but a lot of these other guys, like people are ready to rush Damian Harris out the door. Why? He's a good running back on a team that needs to run the football. Again, he's not the starter, but I, how many times did I say this during the draft, Mike, I don't want to do Steven Jackson again, 2015. Right. No, we we all went through that. The fact that people are willing to 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 rush running back depth, quality running back depth, out the door on this team for no reason other than adding a a, a bottom, you know, sub two hundred draft pick in the NFL is insane. And this is from the guy who lives for the draft after it hits pick two hundred. Keeping Damien Harris around is not the worst thing in the world, right? And again, the the reason I think that that was sort of even a, a floated idea. And it's why I kept sort of talking about the idea of potentially getting some real value for a guy like Jacoby Myers, which they didn't do. He's their best receiver. I get it. I don't think they should have necessarily, but I, it was an idea because it's an expiring contract, right? You, you, you want to try right. and get some value. And I know there's the comp pick uh, scenarios here, but like, I mean, at the end of the day, that that's the reason Harris was there, but I, they clearly, they need to s- sort of, start to dial back Stevenson's reps here as we talk about yeah. every single every single time we run this show but um so yeah that's 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 sort of where the Patriots ended up um any real thoughts I mean no I mean a Shaq Thompson I, the, the Panthers which let's go into the Panthers because I think the Panthers completely won this NFL trade deadline like bar none they like you said you just mentioned Robbie Anderson they get rid of him who was a complete cancer in the locker room, running off the field, not playing, like nonsense, Antonio Brown type stuff from him. They trade him to the Cardinals for a sixth and a seventh round pick. And then they also got the haul from McCaffrey, which I get yeah. Christian McCaffrey is a top 10 player in the league, but they get a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth for him. So like they now, they get rid of Christian McCaffrey, who's not going to help a rebuild because you're, you want to try and limit 
the whole keeping a, a running back around too long type thing because it kind of hamstrings you. Right. They get rid of him and Robbie Anderson, who's, the, again, the, the nonsensical guy in the locker room, and they get a two, a three, a four, a five, a six, and a seven for two guys. Like a right. complete rebuild, and they still keep their their guys like Brian Burns and their Shaq Thompsons and Jeremy Chins and the guys they can continue to – I mean, Thompson's a little older, but guys they can build around. So I think the Panthers, who have also played really well the last two weeks, they've won their, their last two games with P.J. Walker at the helm. I think the Panthers are kind of getting themselves back into a pretty good spot. They'll have a chance to hire a, a better head coach than Matt Rule, and right. I don't think they're going to stick with Wilkes. So I think the Panthers easily won the deadline. And you know what? The other thing about those moves is a lot of those guys you just named who are still there have pretty significant cap hits yeah. coming up. And the deadline for restructuring contracts for trades was actually Monday. And you're not going to do that unless you know for sure you're going to trade the guy. They can still move those guys in the offseason if they want. And, and right. it'll be easier. They'll have more value. Teams have more to spend. So, yeah, Panthers did it right. Panthers absolutely did it right. Uh, Thompson was the one guy I thought maybe because his contract structured in a weird way could get moved. Um, but like some of those guys will still get dealt, but we do this. It, right. We also do this with every deadline. Like every, half the superstars in the league get named. Those kind of deals happen in the off season. They rarely, rarely, rarely happen at the deadline, especially right. in football. Yeah. Which again, kind of a crazy deadline today. Um, we'll wrap it up there, but I mean, 10 trades on deadline day is the most in NFL history. There was like 20, major trades with like big name people and big name assets being moved around. So I, I like that it's sort of turned into an NBA trade deadline because it makes, it makes deadline day that much more fun to, you know, report on write about, but also just from a fan perspective to kind of watch these guys get moved around. It's, it's good stuff. So uh, a lot of guys looking for sort of getting in new jobs, new places. So what better way to segue into late? There you go. Now you're Let's, learning how to do this. There you go. Good yes. Job. Let's talk about jobs, right? Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain that you have access to be to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's getting towards the end of 2022. So what better way to finish off the year strong than with the right team member? LinkedIn Jobs makes it super easy to post your job. And once you do, just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash beat. That's LinkedIn.com slash beat. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. That was probably my favorite, uh, my favorite segue into a, into an ad read in my. Uh, that, short that's time what I, I used to. I used to give Evan crap for that all the time. That he just yeah. he, he would be so he'd have the perfect setup. He'd get clunky into it. That's how you do it. That's how you keep yep. people involved all the way through. You're oh, learning. Yeah. There you go. Good job. But go to it. LinkedIn. If you got if you got a business, you got a small business, you got anything. Go to LinkedIn.com/slash/beat. Helps us pay the bills around here and it helps you find your hire. So there you go. Uh, let's get into, we'll touch on Patriots jets. Again, we, we talked about it Sunday, but the Patriots lost to the jets, uh, or excuse me, the Patriots beat the jets 22 to 17 on Sunday. Um, they go to four and four and look, it was ugly. We know, but I have a hard time. I have a hard time nitpicking a win, right? Because it's hard to win football games in the NFL. And sometimes you just got to win them ugly. Um, so I mean, after taking a look at sort of where this where this team stands and what's up with Mac Jones and the quarterback room and everything, it's like it 
they're they're in a spot where they can sort of compete for a playoff spot here if they keep sort of just churning out ugly wins like this and they improve the quarterback room. And look, I think they've sort of I, I said it last night on the sports hub I was on with Adam Jones. I think they've sort of stunted Max growth a little bit here with what they've kind of put around him from an offensive perspective and the coaches, but like he he played better than than the stats showed and what the what it kind of looked at at first glance. Um the pick six was ugly. It looks like, again, a miscommunication. A lot of people said it was more on Myers than Max. So, I mean, it's tough. Again, you don't see your your receiver sort of turn for the ball. You got to say, don't throw the football there, right? But you don't know where he's turning and when or whatever the case may be. So um, that's sort of where I am with this game. It's like, okay, they won. So let's let's call it a win. But, Alex, any any thoughts and sort of where where what you saw over the last couple of days kind of breaking down this thing? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing where, like – Feels like Max making progress, which is great. Kind of right. sucks that that's the big takeaway in week eight. Like if it was week two, we'd be like, all right, you know, new offensive coordinator and they're moving right along. Now, look, he hasn't played all eight games. So there's that element right. to it. It's just, it's all a mess. It's all a mess. And um, this is what it's really felt like since camp. Once with the offense, once something gets going, something else fails. The offensive line was right. struggling and then they got good. And then the wide receivers started not being able to produce and the wide receivers came back and then Mac was playing poorly and then Mac got hurt. And then the play calling was bad. Now the play calling's better, but the offensive line sucks again. Like yep. they just, they can't put it all together. Right. It, it feels like in theory, all of the pieces are there for at least for them to at least be a competent offense. I'm not saying they're going to come right. out and put up 50, but it feels like all of the pieces are there for them to be a competent offense. They just can't all get together. And that's usually a coaching thing. I think mm-hmm. it is in this case, but as do I like right now, they've got, they've got to figure out that offensive line. They mm-hmm. have to figure it out. And at a certain point, and I know they don't want to do this right. Michael on when was talked about how helpful it has been for him this year to just be able to stick at one position after yep. moving around the last two years and look, they have screwed with him by moving him around and it's not great, but he's the best right tackle on this roster. One way, however, however you want to slice it, he is the best right tackle on this roster. That is their biggest hole. I would rather cover up a hole at guard than a tackle. It's easier to cover up a step down at guard than it is a tackle. Now they don't really have another right guard, right? Their right guards right. are like big mauling people movers. The left guards, the more athletic spot. Uh, uh, Ference, if, if I, he might just be a center, but if he's anything beyond that, he's a left guard. You're not moving Cole Strange to right. Isaiah Wynn's not a right guard. I know a lot of people want him to be. I know a lot of people like to talk about him like he's one. He's not a right guard. Um, now, you know, now you're going down to the practice squad. If Chase and Hines wasn't on IR, I would say kick Michael and Wendell out to right tackle. Put Chase and Hines in at right guard. See what he can do. Boom, you're good. This is why I wanted them to trade for an interior offensive lineman today. I wanted them to trade for a right guard, but I, I don't think they're going to do it. That's what I would do. I know this show is about what they're going to do. Right. This is what I would do. I think at some point their hand's going to be forced into doing it because Isaiah wins. I, I, I've said enough about Isaiah Wynn on the show and where right. I think he's at. Marcus Cannon's fine, but he's old. He and wasn't great, though. He was like, not great on, yeah. He's going to be what he is, which is average to to below average, right? And there's something to be said for consistency, and that's why I think if they're not going to put Onwenu out there, he's their best option. Best option doesn't mean good option, right? Right. Uh, they could try moving Trent back, but I now you're moving too many pieces. I don't like that. Right. Yadni for a just, guy who's like – 
tr- sorry, Trent Brown at that position who like as it is is rather inconsistent to be moving yeah. him back and forth on the on the ends is is not a good recipe for him either. Sorry. Right. Yanni could just now that he's off IR should get a shot. He needs to get a shot because again, there there's really no answer here. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens because if the offensive line plays like that, I don't I don't care who you put back there, right? And I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl team, but look at what happened to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl two years ago yep. against the Bucs. Look at Joe Burrow last year against the against the Rams. Doesn't matter who your quarterback is. If he has a second and a half to throw, he's not going to be able to do anything. So right. they have to get that figured out. It, like we, I forget who it was who said this today. Um, I, it was one of the film guys. It might have been Taylor Kyles, who probably does a fantastic job. I'm a yes. huge fan of Taylor. Shout out to Taylor. Um, you can't even really evaluate Mac until the offensive line gets figured out. You can't. So they've got to get, you know, you can complain about Mac all you want in Zappy. And I know, again, it's going to be in the replies that these guys just, just, you know, they're too nice to Mac and people want Zappy because he looked better. Zappy's not going to look any better behind that offensive line. Nobody's going to look better behind that offensive line. They have to get that thing figured out. Right. I mean, again, it's like this. I'm done with Zappy talk, frankly, because what we saw at the end of the Bears game, like Zappy's not going to be the answer here either. If you want to move on from Mac, you move on from Mac at the end of the year for these right. people talking about this, and then you reset with a better draft pick because Zappy's unfortunately not going to be the answer here either. He showed his cards the other night too. But like, again, I was I was fine with the way Mac played. The more the more we kind of got to look at some things. There was one specific play, and I think I mentioned this on Sunday, but these quarterbacks that are so good in the NFL now with the Mahomes and the Allens, right there, and even Aaron Rodgers has shown it for years. They're able to like off platform throws, and by that it's the not essentially setting your feet and kind of having to quickly, you know, snap your hips and just chuck a ball out there with your arm strength. And there was like twice in this game where I saw Mac Jones do that for the first time, basically ever in his NFL career. So those are, those are two things that I saw that I was like, Oh, okay. Like he's, he's sort of sort of showing a little bit more of a skill set. And again, like you said, putting all the blame on Mac here is just like, frankly, it's crazy because the offensive line, the, the inconsistencies, right? Like, the, I mean, again, we you just sort of went through this too, and that's sort of what I'm getting at here is that like, until it's offensive line plays great, Matt Patricia calls a great game with a great game script. The running backs are getting their you know four or five yards a carry, and the receivers are getting open, and it's clear that Mac is just not making the reads, and his internal clock is sped up, and he has the time but he's not using it. That's when it's like okay. Let's let's take a look and really truly see where Mac Jones is. It's not even close to that time because there has been so much inconsistency around him. Frankly, for the last almost over a year now, uh, ever since the bye week last year. Right. Right. So um, that that's where I'm at with Mac Jones. Again, I'm as he gets healthier and as they sort of look. I, I'm I've been the biggest critic of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge the last three weeks as sort of what they've done with play calling and with Bailey at the helm versus Mac. Right. But they, they, it hasn't been easy for them either. It's not easy to have to call two games for two different quarterbacks and, you know, dumb things down and then ramp them up again. And so if uh, I hate to give them the benefit of the doubt, because again, I've been such a huge critic, but as things get ironed out, it'll get better and easier for them. And then we'll hopefully be able to see a little bit more from Mac Jones. So, um, but 
another thing on the offense, and I mean, well, let's let's get into this because Ramondre Stevenson is like turning into just an absolute like monster of a running back before our eyes, catching the ball, running the ball. If there was no such thing as like fatigue and getting battered and injured, I would want Ramondre Stevenson on the field every single play for my team. Right. Turn off the injury uh, slider. Exactly. Right. Let's go on Madden and turn yeah, turn down those sliders because the dude's a monster. He had 16 for 71 on the ground, which along of 35, so that was a little bit skewed. But then he has seven catches for 72 yards. They're completely unlocking him as a receiving back now, which we barely saw last year. And with Harris going down and them him them sort of putting up his workload, he's turned into a receiving back and he's done really well at it. He he grabs the ball, he makes great reads, great reads, great blocks. So um Again, I'm I'm astounded by where Ramondre Stevenson's gone from from year one to year two. Kid put in the work, man. Tip your cap. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he he told us at the end of the year that he was going to focus more on on the pass catching back role that that includes receiving and blocking. He came into camp. He told us he'd focused on it the off season, and and the works totally showed. You know, for a guy who came into camp as a rookie, didn't pass his conditioning test, right to where he is is now. Just incredible, incredible, incredible growth. I mean, this is the kind of guy, like, that's like captain track. That's I know we talk about the Patriots never re-signing running backs, but that second right. contract track, man, he's been unreal in every single way you could possibly want him to. Um, super nice guy, too, for what it's worth. Yeah, like, great. seems like a guy, you know, humble guy, seems like a guy who everybody gets along with in the locker room. I mean, he's been, you can't. I know people are going to like roll their eyes on this because it's the running back and it's not necessarily a high impact position, but right. you can't really hit on a draft pick anymore than they hit on Ramondre Stevenson. He's done everything you could ask for. 100%. Like, even like you said, just in the locker room guy, like, again, we're, we're here for X's and O's mostly here on Patriots beat and sort of the, the nitty gritty stuff, but a guy who's like consummate pro, him and Damian Harris, they have a good running back room as far as like, <laughs> as far as people skills and like being like just. Yeah. Good dudes. Max said it yesterday on on WEEI. Just he was like, "Those those are my best buddies. Like those guys are awesome." So uh, I don't know. T- tip of the cap to Ramondre, who's having a really good year. Um, same with Jacoby Myers. Contract contract year. A guy who's just balling out. Um, anything more on the offense? I, we can quickly touch on defense. But uh, if you have any last thoughts on the offense before we kind of transfer over to what the defense did on Sunday, I know some people are concerned that Kendrick Bourne and. Taekwon Thornton weren't involved in that game. I'm actually not because we talked about this when we previewed the game. They got really good boundary corners down there in New York. Yeah. Two really good boundary corners. The way to attack that team is short in between the hashes. And that's exactly what the Patriots did. They used Jacoby Myers. They threw the running backs. Like that's, that was actually a smart game plan decision. Credit to Matt Patricia there. That was a smart game plan decision. Yeah. To not for, and, and for Mac Jones too, making the reads to not force the ball to the outside. So yeah. I've seen some people worried about that, you know, against the Colts, a little bit of a different story. So we'll see. But yeah, the, you know, again, people, are, Oh, these wide receivers aren't producing. That's a game where you probably weren't going to ask them to do a lot based on the matchup. So doesn't, yeah, but doesn't again, bother me as much as I think it does. Some people, it's just another unproductive week for, for KB, which is like kind of too bad because it's, it's a guy who, I mean, he's got, He's got all the talent in the world. He's another guy who's like just really team guy right now where he's just standing yeah. in there and and working hard and 
not really and nothing's really shown for it. So, I mean, I hope they can continue to scheme him into the into the offense as like I said before, as they sort of get more comfortable and get some consistency here on offense, hopefully they kind of realize that okay, I mean, Kendrick Bourne can can work. He can work some guys in the in the uh secondary. So, uh, agreed that this isn't the game you should really be worried about it. Um, but we'll see what happens moving forward and where they stand with Kendrick Bourne. Um, right. Patriots defense on Sunday was solid. Uh, they had a really good game. They they did enough to win. Um, they had three interceptions off Zach Wilson. But I think the 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 bread and butter sort of point here from the defense is just that Zach Wilson is awful. Right? I mean, terrible. It, it, for everybody made, complaining about Mac Jones, yeah. Look at Zach Wilson. What you all think Mac is terrible. He's not an NFL. Here's the difference. And I know Mac didn't look like I thought he looked okay. He looked average. Yeah. Mac has at least looked good in the NFL before. He has a full season of good NFL performance. He took a team to 10 wins in the playoffs. Zach Wilson has never, Zach Wilson always looks like that. Always for a year and a half has looked like that. And the crazy thing is Mac probably looks the way he does more because of the situation than anything else. We've talked about this going back to the summer with them changing the system and the coaching staff and all of that. I can't believe I'm about to say this. The Jets are actually not a bad situation to be in for a young quarterback. They've got, I I think Robert Sala knows what he's doing, right? LaFleur's, I'm not a huge fan of that coaching tree, but is it Matt or Mike? Is the OC there on blanket? That's Mike. Um, Like Mike LaFleur, I think he knows what he's doing at the very, it's a quarterback easy system at the very least. There's no denying that. They've got a good defense. He's got good players to throw the ball to. Their offensive line doesn't suck. It's not the best in the league. It doesn't suck. Every reason, every reason in the world, Zach Wilson should be good. And he's not. That's just a guy who's not good at the game. So it's it's too bad too, because there's, there's times where he, he eludes pressure. You know, he's, he's got outstanding footwork and he gets out of the pocket and it's like, it doesn't matter. He he, won't throw the ball away. He refuses to throw the ball away. That's what I'm getting at though. That that was my point here. It's like he, he does that. He looks so good. And you're like, Oh my God, he's going to try and find, he's going to find Garrett Wilson streaking across the field. And then he just doesn't throw it away. And he chucks it up and literally places it right in Devin McCourty's number. I think he thinks that is throwing it away. I think he thinks if he puts it six feet off the boundary, six inches off the boundary, he'll throw it away. Zach, throw it into the stands. You have the arm for it. And he says after the game, he doesn't want to throw the ball away because he doesn't believe in it. Believe in it. Throw it away. You're not a BYU anymore, right? Throw the freaking – it's it's wild. And I don't think it's a coaching thing because Joe Flacco – say what you will about Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco knows to throw the ball away. He's been in this league long enough. I can't imagine he's never once pulled Zach Wilson aside and said, hey, just throw it to a fan. Yeah. Throw it to me. Throw it to me. Find my 19 jersey on the the sideline and chuck it into my face. Like He's clearly not taking the coaching. Zach Wilson isn't. So, look, the Patriots defense did some good things in this game, and we can get into those Mm -hmm. in a second. But, holy crap, Zach Wilson looks like he's beyond repair because – the pieces yeah. are there. Garrett Wilson can play, right? Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore can play. I might be on Elijah Moore's side in this whole thing. He's maybe yeah. being a little too vocal about it, but I might be on his side. Tyler Conklin can kind of play. You know, that's the best game he's had all year. He doesn't look that good, but he looks like right. he can play. They've got some running backs. He's got the pieces around him, right? <laughs> yeah. He's got the pieces around him, but he just can't figure it out. He threw for 355 yards in that game. I went back and watched the tape. It probably should have been 500. It probably should have been 500. 
Yeah, I mean, again, like, and quickly too on on the Mike Lafleur thing because, and then we'll 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 wrap up the defense and get into our get into our non Patriots Boston sports stuff and whatnot. But like, with Mike Lafleur, uh, interestingly enough, we talk about an easy system and a guy who knows how to call an offense. But the one thing that I don't really seem to understand is why they didn't draw up some more quarterback runs or like we saw the Chris Trevler thing. They activated him, and it's like, why didn't you bring him in to maybe take advantage of the Patriots not being able to cover they were running taunting quarterbacks? Bill. Like, yeah, but like they didn't. They taunt Bill with the Strevler move, right? And then they don't do anything with Zach Wilson. So that that was a missed opportunity. That from what I saw from Michael Lafleur, not using Zach Wilson to. I mean, Zach Wilson's not a speed demon, but he can get you seven yards. Like. Right. That's all you need to stay on schedule. So that was kind of a missed opportunity for them, I thought, on offense. Well, I'll say this, and it goes into something I think the Patriots did really well, independent of Zach Wilson being an absolute dumpster fire. They were so much more disciplined in terms of their rush. Like, we talked about this after the Bears game, right? They're over-pursuing. They're overextending. They're creating all these rushing lanes, and that's where Justin Fields, on whether it was third and 15, third and 17, whatever, he's converting these with his legs. Yeah. They were just out there hunting sacks, and you can't do that, especially not the Patriots' defensive system. I thought in this game, they were only credited with two sacks. They were only credited with, I think, two pressures. But they were in Zach Wilson's face constantly, right? And they stayed on top of him, but it was good team football, right? They're aware of where their teammates are, and they're hemming them in, and they're kind of – it's almost like a dog corralling sheep, right? Except the other way around. It was multiple where they just kind of boxed him in on the boundary – and then made him make a decision, either take yeah. the sack or force a throw. And they did, if they over-pursue there, he comes back around, right? He bends it back around. He has room to run. Um, you know, Matthew Judon, Dietrich Wise, Daniel Aquale, I thought all were great in this. So it was really great to see the defensive line have a bounce-back game in that sense, in a disciplined sense, after what they did against the Bears. Definitely. Um, and... It's sort of it's bouncing off what Zach Wilson did as far as not great, but like I mean Devin McCourty has two two interceptions in the game, the active leader in interceptions uh, currently in the NFL. So shows Devin's age a little bit, but also shows that the guy can still play some ball, especially against some uh, some poor competition over there in New York. But uh, two, I mean one of the plays was was a good play. It looked like Zach Wilson was throwing the ball away sort of towards the sideline, and he just that's the one where he didn't get it out of bounds enough and. I mean, McCourty makes a really athletic play on the sideline and grabs the ball. The other one was just him chucking it up into no man's land, and it lands in McCourty's in McCourty's teeth. But uh, he had again a solid game um, from the safety position that they kind of desperately needed with Duggar out. Um, they allowed Tyler Conklin, like we we had mentioned, to have six catches for seventy nine yards and two touchdowns. Josh Bledsoe wasn't great from a safety position, but I thought uh, Jabril Peppers played pretty well. Um, he led them with eight tackles. He did make some bonehead decisions we had mentioned on Sunday, but it was just like there was a play where he doesn't get called for like a cl- like a clear late hit or a aggressive hit on Garrett Wilson, and then the following play he goes and gets a late hit and gets called for it. It's like you just lucked out. Like let's play smart football here. But I thought he was he was pretty solid again. Just. In Duggar's absence, they want Duggar back really badly, and they miss him. He's he's the most important player on their defense, I think, outside yeah. of maybe Judon. But I mean, they they need Kyle Duggar back soon. Well, they've been down two of their three best defensive players in in yeah. Duggar and Barmore, right? Barmore, and Bar- yeah. That was the other thing to see the defensive line play the way it did without Christian Barmore, where he's normally the guy to to defend that kind of quarterback. I think was very very encouraging. 
yeah. I mean, again, a win's a win. So uh, that's that's the defense. They they did enough to win. Zach Wilson handed them one there, but uh, yeah. Funny Zach Zach Wilson after the game too. The guy has just no no sense of awareness. There he's like, yo, we got these guys in two weeks. Like they, they better watch out. It's like you just yeah. I'm, I'm them sure you'll figure game. it. Like yeah, give six picks against them in three career games. I'm sure you'll figure <laughs> yeah. it out in two weeks. You'll Bizarre. be fine. Hey, a, a fan, every, a fan of his at BYU. I I had him as QB six. I had him as QB six in that draft. I had him behind Kyle Trask. So interesting. I got All called right. out well, for that one. But. Yeah, that's the defense. Special teams quickly before we one more one more thing this. on the defense. One more thing on the defense. Yeah. Um, Go for it. I still have Jack Jones fever. I really do. I think he's oh, going to yeah. be an outstanding corner. But you saw in that game why they're not playing him ninety percent of the time yet. Why it's still like sixty sixty five. Tackling yeah. still an issue. There were two instances, obviously the big one late in the game on the Garrett Wilson catch and run, but there's one right. earlier too. I forget which back it was. I think it was Carter where he sort of just pushes him from behind instead of tackling him um, oh, as yeah. another teammates wrapping him up, which allows Carter to fall forward and pick up. It was like three or four extra yards. He's got to, he's got to start wrap tackling, man. He's got to start, you know, arm tackling and he's got to get away from the shoulder tackling. So once he does that, he's going to be a real big time player. I really do believe that. I'm a huge fan right. of his. But yeah, so am I. That's you, you kind of why saw he's it. not sauce, right? But yeah, exactly. You kind of saw it in that game where he's got to start. He's got to start making some real tackles. Yeah, um, highest grade corner in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus. Jack Jones is, but yeah, again, the, the snap counts a little bit down. Um, it's PFF the other also guys, grades like corners really weird. Yeah, PFF. Corner, and it's not take away from Jack. He's been outstanding. But right. I mean, the guys up there though are guys like Sauce Gardner and Jalen Ramsey. So it's not. Oh, it's yeah. not like it's cool. it's not graded out completely bizarrely where it's like a bunch of how's, randos. How's Jalen Ramsey looked this year? Again, it makes sense. Like that's that that's sort of yeah, to your it's point. Just it's more like of they do grade it funny, thing, yeah. but no, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I mean, Ramsey, Ramsey's a good corner in the league. Like you can't take that away from him. But he he does look funky sometimes. But again. Jack Jones, for what it's worth, to a metric, is the top corner in the league, according to Pro yep. Football Focus. Um, special teams, my one thing, Nick Folks, Nick Folks a beast. Uh, revenge game for him against the Jets. Goes 5-for-5 five five kicking. Also had the extra point. Um, it's they, They've always had a good kicker here. It's something that in, in a league where the kickers are really bad, it's really nice to be able to look at your kicker and say, you're going to go out there and you're going to get me three when we're inside the the 35 like every time yeah. and Nick Folk's able to do that for them. They've had it with Vinatieri, they had it with Kostowski and now they have it again with Folk. So, uh I mean good on Nick Folk, a guy who's older in the league too, been around and kind of found his niche here in, in New England. Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh I'll I'll just add a big time bounce back day for Jake Bailey. Yeah. He had two of his three punts were or two of his four punts were I20s. He had another one fair caught at the 21 that was like a it was a field flipping punt. He it would have been tough to get inside the 20. And then his one touchback was the probably his best punt of the day. Should have been down inside the five. That was a Demarcus Mitchell play. So good to see him bouncing back. Yeah. Big plays from the rookies too. Brandon Schooler made a big tackle. Obviously, the Marcus Jones returned to Pro Peppers on the block. So yep. much, much better day for the special teams. And look, they need to get rolling because they had their worst game of the year last year against the Colts. That special yeah. team was a huge reason the Patriots lost that game. So they they need to get back on track here. They needed a good game and they got it. Now they've got a tough test this week. Yep. Not ready to call them the, the juggernaut they were yet because again, the, the bonehead play by uh, Mitchell in the end zone rolling in. But th- those are things you got to clean up. And again, oh, it's I've said it four or five times now, but a win's a win. So it's like, 
it's good to be able to get a win and then be able to look at that tape and fix it instead of it being the reason you lost the game. So uh, that's sort of where we stand here with uh, Patriots Jets. Again, the Pats beat the Jets 22-17 to in Week 8 on Sunday. Uh, they will welcome in the Colts next week with Sam Ellinger at the helm. Um, but we will break that down on Thursday. But let's break off some Patriots talk here because we have some really interesting and important Boston sports news, Boston sports minute. We need some music. Pew, pew, pew. We need something to come in here when, when, yeah. this, when this thing comes in. Um, but a couple news items that I'm trying to find a lower third here. To, there we go. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets agreed to part ways with head coach Steve Nash, uh, who had been there for two seasons and a guy who I just like felt bad for because he was a guy who didn't even want to come into coaching uh, when they when they sort of lured him in. They lured him into Brooklyn. They made him a babysitter. And then they basically just shoved him, shoved him out the door when the whole Kyrie nonsense goes. And it's like a babysitter in Brooklyn. It's tough to coach there. And but he leaves. Uh, they call it a mutual parting of ways. But sure. it was more. Okay, yeah. It was right. Kendrick Perkins had a funny tweet today. It was like, what does this even mean? It's like it's like Sean Marks went into him and said, Steve Nash, you're fired. And he goes, yes, I agree. And then walked out. So it's <laughs> like that's they, they agreed to part ways. But uh, the reason that this is so interesting is that Boston or I'm sorry, Sham Sharania reported that um, the Nets plan to hire Celtics suspended head coach Ime Udoka. Uh, and the interesting part here is that Boston granted the Nets permission to talk to him and they're allowing him to leave freely, which I just... I have a hard time with that. I do. I think that I know it's like, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts too, because I haven't really talked or debated this with anyone yet, but it just seems like terrible asset management on their part, because I know that they probably just want to kick him out the door and, you know, wipe their hands clean of this email Udoka guy who caused so many different problems in their locker room and in their building and whatnot. But a guy who was a really good coach last year, one of the better coaches in the NBA brings a team to the finals for the first time since 2010 you have him under contract. Let's go try and get something for him when the Nets kind of want this guy to, to bring this guy in, a guy who coached a ramp before in Brooklyn, who probably is going to do great things in Brooklyn with some some quality talent there. I just I think it's kind of silly for them to just say, you know what, go have it. What, what say you? Yeah, I you know I don't disagree. I just wonder if it's a case of they don't want to take advantage of what may be a very ugly situation, right? If if what Ime Udoka point. did comes out, and it's funny now that there's talk about him joining the Nets, and it sounds like he's going to join the Nets, right? You're starting to hear some details. There was a report for Nets Wire today um, about he's sending messages to women, plural. You know, it kind of looks bad on the Celtics if oh, well, you know, you you used their pain to pick up first round picks. They may also, but that know, also looks bad on the Nets. That looks well, worse so, on the but, Nets. So here's opinion. the but here's the thing. Let it be bad for the Nets. Let it be bad for the Nets and be done with it. You know, what is the Nets investigation? We heard this with the Browns, that they did an investigation on Deshaun Watson, and they were happy with it. And then after he got traded, there were, what, five, six more allegations? Right. So is this a case? You know, because this is my question. This is what I was asking people today when I was down at Sports Hub. How long is Zeme going to coach the Nets? How long do you think he's there? I think it's less than a year. Because I think that the Celtics were never, this was not a suspension as a punishment. This was a suspension as a, let's just get him out of sight 
until we can figure out how to fire him without getting sued. That's what it felt like to me. If it's right. that bad, you know, I, I basically, I don't believe the Nets did their due diligence. And I think at some point soon, information is going to come out that the Nets aren't going to be able to keep them. They're just not going to be able Then again, who knows with all the crap that Kyrie's pulling. Right. But yeah, I, I'm a, if it's a matter of the Celtics wanting to wash their hands of the incident and not want to be seen as benefiting from it, I'm okay with them not getting anything back. I really am because I think I, I, I think that there is, and I, I always say that there's no moral high ground in sports. I think that's more of a reaction to the industry than anything else. And I'm, I'm fine with Celtics uh, uh, doing that. You know, if it was, if it's not that, and they just really hate the guy, well, they still get something for him. But right. I think, I, and I, I said this even before this news came, there's another shoe that's going to drop here and it's not going to be pretty. I don't know what yeah. it is. I, it I don't, happens. but there's like, he did something. This is beyond, you know, he sent a you up text to, to the wrong person once, <laughs> right. you know, there, he did something bad and he did it repeatedly. The net, by the way, do you see the Nets are hiring a PR head of PR right now? Yeah, that's right so now? funny. That's yeah, good so luck funny. with that. Um, yeah. He did something that they're going to have to answer for. And I think this is the Celtics saying, hey, let, let them answer for it. Right? Why should we have to yeah, answer for it at all? Let them answer for it. So Nets are, also are, are me- kind of a scummy organization. We've known that. And this is just another layer. Yeah, it makes me think too, like uh, just what you said there though about the Celtics. They They suspend him, but they don't cut ties immediately. Almost like they also don't want to have to pay out his contract for firing him for wrongful or not a wrongful cause or whatever the case may be. But it's like at that point though, too, if it's that bad, it doesn't matter. So similar to similarly to what you had said about them not wanting to grab a pick because of what he did. If they're keeping him around so they don't have to pay him, that also seems like something that's like, oh, well, if so, it was really it was really that bad, then it's it's not they're probably necessarily not gonna keeping, end up having to pay him anyway. It's not necessarily keeping him around so they don't have to pay him, it's keeping him around long enough to figure out how to get rid of him without a lawsuit. That's a fair point. Yeah. Okay. Like there was just there I, I, I come from a family of lawyers. There was a lot of lawyer talk thrown around in a lot of those reports in the days yeah. following the uh the the initial suspension. Which told me, oh, the the lawyers are like run. The lawyers are running this. The, the, the and lawyers in the way are the news, in charge on the both news sides. Was coming out too, right? Like it, so, the way things were worded and the the order in which they came lawyer, out and who reported what. Right, lawyers don't get involved unless there's a chance of a lawsuit. Right, one way or the other, whether it was wrongful termination, whether it was Emay suing the Celtics, whether it was the Celtics suing Emay, whether it was the Celtics employee suing the team, whatever it was going to be. Um. I, I just think that they wanted him out of sight and out of mind while they dealt with everything and firing him wasn't the best way to do that. Yeah. So let the Nets deal with it. Nets are, they, right. they've shown their true colors here the last week. They absolutely have the least yeah. likable team in the NBA, which is crazy when you think about, you know, what's going on with the, with the Lakers. But yeah. I kind of like watching the Lakers cause they're hilarious. Um, it's just funny. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's, but the Nets, the, the Nets showed their true colors this week, and it's only—it looks like it's only getting it worse. But you know, yeah. not letting Kyrie talk today and all of that, and yeah, um, crazy. let them let them deal with all these questions. Celtics are kind of fun bunch right now. I know they can't play a lick of defense, but they're a fun team right now. Just keep it that way. Well, that's sort of where where we can quickly go from this too. What do you think of Missoula so far, and just like 
do they do they take the interim tag off now that Udoka's out of the picture, and do they just make Mazul the guy, or do they see how this plays out and maybe open up the surge again next year? Like, no, I mean, I, again, it's it's a team with quality players and in the right direction for sure, and I think the guys really like him around. But uh, yeah, just go ahead, your thoughts on that? Yeah, they, they're going to leave the interim term tag on. I think they're going to wait till the end of the year and see who becomes available. But um, you know, they've been sure. it's too early to make any sweeping decision. They got to get the defense figured out. But yeah, I mean. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are showing up. I mean, they've been, they've been excellent. Is Tatum the MVP favorite right now? I mean, he should be up there. I I mean, I guess Giannis is probably. Yeah. Who's the favorite right now though? Uh, Let's, let's look. Um, Last time you checked, last time you checked. uh, Last time I checked, I believe it was uh, Giannis and um, John Morant was up there as well. Oh, I I love me some John Morant. I really do. But um, I mean, Tatum's right there and that's awesome to see. He's kind of, he's taking that next leap and and we're only going to be able to talk about him improving for so many more years. Like he's not a kid anymore. So right. um, Really like what I've seen with that. Yeah, me too. Good, good, good players. Good. Yeah. Him and him and Brown are just like you said, they're, they're a great duo uh, in the league. Probably one of the best duos in the, in the league for sure. Um, But yeah, that's, that's our Boston sports minute. Uh, Nets fire. Steve Nash look like they're bringing an email. Real quick. Wait, real Uh, quick on this too. Chris Sale picked up his $55 million option. Oh, God. I don't want to hear crap about him coming back and saving the team next year. Anything no. you get from him is gravy. You can count on him for exactly zero innings, and anything you get beyond that is a cherry on top. That's don't. I, I don't want to do this again with Chris Sale. I don't want to do signing pick, pitchers without functioning elbows again, Hiam. Go get actual baseball players who can currently play the game. Play baseball, right. All right, I know you're paying him $55 million. Sorry, it's a bad contract. That doesn't mean you have to play him. It certainly doesn't mean you have to count on him. Right. It's my 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 quick Red Sox thought. Well, let, then let's round it up with Ruins because we we talked about we talked about the other two. We talked about some betting. Um, I tweeted it today. The Bruins. I don't know when the last time we touched on it here on this podcast, but they're off to a scorching, red hot start to this yeah. season. That um, looks like they're also going to get Charlie McAvoy back soon. Uh, he practiced in full the other day. They're the third most likely team to win the Stanley Cup, according to Bet Online, um, behind the Avalanche and the Flames. Uh, so they're they're killing it. I mean, that's whether that's you see the betting lines there, and it's a uh, um, it that's more so them moving towards the hot and popular team, and not necessarily what yeah. they think's going to happen. It's more so them trying to make the most money possible, but. Uh, they're, they're up there and they're, they're the talk of the, they're the talk of the NHL right now. They're the best team in hockey, uh, through the first couple weeks here. Yeah. WH kind of makes a good point in the chat there. I don't know that it's necessarily them peaking too early, but this is what the Bruins always do. They'll have like these month, month and a half stretches where they're the best team in hockey. And then they kind of dip back down to 500 and then they'll get really good. And it's just like, they never hit this stretch in the playoffs. So it's nice to know they can play up to this. I think they've been able to play up to this the last couple of years, but they've they've you know they've got to do it i I hate being this guy that because you got to do a show today right they've got to do it into the summer they've got to do it in the playoffs but yeah um it's it's fun to watch they're fun as hell to watch and and you know i maybe there were some questions about whether or not they had this in them given the injuries they had but it's they have it in them clearly they do and all marks all marks been outstanding between the pipes too which is good to see because yeah who's that position i thought swayman was going to be the guy I was going to say that's a position where I thought it's like, okay, Olmark's another year older and Swayman's, you know, maturing even more and whatever. And I mean, not that Swayman's necessarily been bad. He had one bad game, but he, he played okay and bounced back. But I mean, Olmark's been a beast. So uh, right. good, on, good on the bees. But let's do our other favorite minute here on the Patriots yeah. podcast. 
if the there it is college football minute now let's do it because the college football playoff committee released their first top 25 today and it was definitely interesting i don't know if you got to take a look at it before you hopped on here but currently in the playoff is tennessee at the one seed ohio state at the two georgia at the three and the clemson tigers at four with michigan and bama just on the outside uh your thoughts on where they have the top six at least and then we can get into some later ones falls baby Number one I know. I didn't think that was going to happen. And the biggest critique of the AP poll always is that the preseason rankings skew it because the preseason rankings are always bad. They always put too much weight on last season, which makes no sense. They respect the defending champion too much, but it carries over, right? Because if you start ranked high, even if you don't beat anybody, like anybody good, as long as you're winning, you stay high. That's the beauty of the college football playoff rankings. They start in November. Tennessee has been the best team in the country. The win over Alabama makes the difference. Georgia ha- doesn't have that kind of win. Ohio State does not have that kind of win. Clemson, Michigan, honestly, TCU might have the next best win. That doesn't mean TCU's second best team, but might have the next best win. That being said, I would have put Georgia second. I would have put, I might have put TCU third. Who is who is yeah. Ohio State beaten? Who is Michigan beaten? They both beat Penn State. I think Penn yeah. State's overrated. Yeah, so that's where that comes Sean from. Sean Clifford's terrible. <laughs> I guess Georgia, you know what? Actually, let me take that back. Georgia beat Oregon. I would have gone Tennessee. Oh, no, I said Georgia second, right? Yeah, because Georgia beat Oregon. Yeah. Tennessee, yeah. Georgia, and then it dips. I would go TCU, Ohio State, Michigan. I guess you have to put Clemson ahead of Alabama because they're undefeated. But seriously, who is Clemson beaten? Are we yeah, gonna put, I don't know why like, they got in over Michigan. Are we going to pretend Syracuse is good? They're clearly not after the last right. two weeks. Are we going to pretend NC State's good? I like Dennis Leary, but not really. You know, Wake Forest is probably their best win, and that was kind of a close game. I, I'm not a big, I'm not that high on Clemson this year. They're going to sneak yeah. in because they're going to finish undefeated. They're going to be a conference champion, and they have the brand recognition. But get, if TCU wins out and wins the Big Twelve, right? Because the SEC is getting two spots. We know that. Whether between yeah. Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, they might actually get three. SEC really. I don't think they'll spots. do it though. Uh, they okay, won't but, give a two-loss team. They won't put a two-loss team. In. But there's not. Here's the thing. Okay, so Tennessee beats Georgia mm-hmm. this week, and then loses to Alabama in the SEC championship. You have one loss Alabama with a loss to Tennessee, one loss Tennessee with a loss to Georgia, and one loss Georgia. With a loss to Alabama. I think I got but that But won't right. two of them end up playing in the SEC championship? If it's Alabama and Georgia, they don't play in the regular season. Oh, right. Okay. So if Alabama beats Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia beats Tennessee, Tennessee beats Alabama, they're all one-loss teams. Okay. It could happen. That Let's say it's a, like that's a – in that case, it's those three in Ohio State because Ohio State's going to beat Michigan and win the Big Ten. Yeah. But – Let's say one of the, let's say Alabama loses two games, which I think could happen. It hurts me, but I, th- I think it could happen. Yeah. If TCU wins out and wins the Big 12, I, I think a one loss TCU team is better than Cle- an undefeated Clemson team from a weak ACC. I really do. I really do believe that. I, I agree. Lots got to happen. And, then, and that's not even getting into the Pac 12, because I think one loss USC or one loss Oregon has a real case as well, especially yeah. one loss Oregon. I would love to see one of those guys in us. I would, again, I'm just, I focus so heavily in my college football fandom on quarterbacks. And so to see like, 
and I don't like DJ at Clemson. So it, to see like four of Hendon Hooker, CJ Stroud, get Stetson Bennett out of my face, get Georgia out of there, lose a game and just get it. I like Stetson Bennett. His story was awesome last year. Him being drunk on GMA was the funniest thing ever the next morning. But yeah. like, I want good quarterbacks. I want Bryce Young. I want Caleb Williams. Bo Nix, I you, guess. <laughs> like, come on. You're not, you're going to give this speech. You're not going to mention the, no, the quarterback of the number one team in the nation. Oh, Hendon Hooker. Did I say yeah, it? Did give I me Hendon Hooker oh, in a college football playoff. I thought I, thought, I, thought I said Hooker. it. Yeah, I agree. That, give me, give me what I really want. What I really, really want is Tennessee, Alabama in the college football playoff. Yeah. That is the best possible. Look, or in, in the SEC championship, it would be fun. Right. But like you, I'm done with Georgia. I'm over it. They won the title yeah. last year. It was nice. Good for Kirby. Whatever. I'm over it. Me too. Give me Bryce and Hendon Hooker in the SEC championship. It'll be like two and Burrow and from 2019 all over again. Right. That was the last game of the century, yep. by the way, before this week. I love it. I love like that's that's what I want to say. And I'm I'll say it. this too. For the sorry, I know you want to talk. Let me just get this one more. In. No, you're good. Keep going. The, I don't have much. For the people who say I don't like college football because it's always the same teams, this is your week to watch because you may think it's always the same teams. You know what isn't ever? You know what hasn't been since the nineties is Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee showing top. up would be massive. Rocky Top, baby. I'm yeah. on the bandwagon. They beat Me my too. Crimson I Tide. It. I don't care. I'm on the bandwagon. That team it's, is fun as hell. It's fun. It's again. It's yeah. like you said. It's different. I got a buddy who is like he hates college football, and we're like. Watch the games. It's fun. And when you get a team like Tennessee every a couple years, you get a team like LSU, which from two years ago, right? They're not really the a powerhouse like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State are. LSU is kind of back and forth. So to see them with Joe Barrow a few years ago, to see Tennessee with Hooker now, um, it's good stuff. Uh, the other – I'm just taking a look at the rest of the top 25. Any surprises on your end? Texas is still ranked, which is interesting. Yeah, um, the Texas. I know. TCU, I'd love to see them get in. Um, the Utes, okay. UNC. I mean, Tulane at 19 is interesting. Uh, I'm not sure well, what their record is, but that's a... So I'll tell you, that here's the interesting thing I've, I've, I've done the last couple of weeks, and we can do it for real now. So when there is the 12-team playoff, right? People hate on the 12-team yes. playoff. What would a 12-team playoff look like? like hypothetically this year, they're not going to have it this year. They obviously wouldn't have it with this poll. The season's not over. I wish my phone would load, but what would the, um, what would the matchups be if they were to play a playoff this year? So you would have, because the, the highest ranked non-power five conference champion gets in, I'm just going to use the highest ranked non-power five team. You'd have Tulane at Michigan, which is who cares. And at Michigan, these are first rounders on campus. Yep. Ole Miss at Alabama in a playoff game. LSU at TCU, which is a sneaky good game. Yeah. And then USC at yeah, and then USC at Oregon. Ooh. We need that 12 team playoff. That's legit. I can't wait for it. I'm sick of four teams. Yeah. And then the top and then the top four teams get buys and they go right Right. to the bowl games. But yeah. Um it won't end like that. It wouldn't realistically end like that. Michigan and Ohio State won't both finish in the top four in any year just the way right. the games are scheduled, but um, yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm ready for that 12 yeah. team playoff. Bring it on. Yeah, it's coming. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll continue doing these college football minutes uh, as the, again, it's, it, it's good to see. And it's like, it really shows you where the, where the committee stands uh, when these officially come out. I always look forward to these on Tuesday nights. So 
Uh, we'll get to talk about these a little bit more as the season goes on. But that's college football for now. Um, back to our old Patriots beat background. Uh, me and Alex get to to chop it up about other things. But we're here to talk to you guys about the Patriots. So that's that for Patriots beat tonight. Um, we will be back on Thursday. The Colts come into town on Sunday to take on the Patriots. Um, so we will break down that game. We will preview that um, on Tuesday or Thursday, rather, probably at uh, seven. And then we'll be back next week to do some breakdown. And uh, we'll keep this train rolling as the Patriots head into the bye after that. But uh, for now, he's Alex Barth from 985 The Sports Hub. Follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Read him on thesportshub.com. You can catch all my stuff at clnsmedia.com and follow me on Twitter at Mike Cadlick. Until Thursday, again, thank you guys all for watching. We'll see you then.